the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Technology and adjusting values of success and happiness are changing the way we live and work. If you are a homeowner, aspiring homeowner, or business professional, these transitions are affecting your real estate decisions now. Welcome to the future of real estate with Jessica Stoner. Jessica and her guests will key you into the technological evolution and other factors that will affect all aspects of real estate, your home, and community of the future. Now, here is your host, Jessica Stoner. Welcome. I'm glad you could join today. You're listening to the future of real estate. I'm a real estate futurist and your host, Jessica Stoner. If you're thinking of buying a tiny home or micro condo or are looking for a knowledgeable realtor in your area, please visit realestatefuture.ca and click Let Me Help. I stay in touch with quality realtors all around the world, and I'm happy to connect you with a suitable realtor in your area. Today, we're talking about tiny homes and micro condos. Let's call it tiny living. Living smaller isn't a new thing. It's more accurate to say that today we're living larger. In 1950, the average size of a home was 983 square feet. In that 983 square feet in 1950, the average family size was 3.5 people. In 2014, the average home size is 2,349 square feet, with the average size of the household decreasing to 2.5 people. Today, we just have a lot more home for fewer people. It's also worth looking at the mortgages over the years. We see an alarming trend that has to reach a tipping point at some point. In the United States, in 1949, mortgage debt was 20% of the total household income. By 1979, it was up to 46% of household income, and by 2001, it had risen to 73% of the household income. Being a homeowner is the basis of the American or the Canadian dream. It's never really been questioned before. It was expected that once you're a grown-up and you have a job and you're making money, at some point you're expected to buy your first home. However, as real estate values have increased so significantly around the world, this is not a given anymore. Many with good or excellent incomes simply can't afford the homes in their city. We also see many that can afford homes in their area, but for the first time, new generations are questioning the wisdom of this societal expectation to follow this path. For others, the tiny living option is not a necessity, but a well-thought-out financial move or a lifestyle choice. So the return to small is not a new idea. It's just we're returning full circle to smaller living that was the norm in the past. It's an adjustment based on the current needs of society today. And it seems 
as we're not making any more land, but we are making more people, something has to give somewhere. Living in smaller accommodations is a logical first step. There's also other factors about tiny living that we're exploring today, and that's relevant to society at this particular time. Tiny houses are movable. The topic of a recent episode on the future of real estate a few weeks back was about the modern nomad. We talked about how with technology today, many of us can work from anywhere. So where we're located is not dictated by our job. Therefore, we can move about as we desire. And being able to take your home with you seems to fit really well into that growing lifestyle. Though micro condos do have to stay put, they stay put in locations where the need for micro condos are the greatest, usually inner city urban neighborhoods. Our guests today are two developers that build tiny homes and micro condos. We'll be talking with Chris Pollan from Battistella Developments in Calgary, Alberta. Battistella has a new development right now of micro condos in the East Village of the city. We're also talking with Jessica Reed of Rewild Homes on Vancouver Island in British Columbia. Rewild builds tiny homes, so we'll have a great conversation about tiny homes, who is buying them, and why it's popular nowadays. We have Chris Pollan here now from Battistella Developments in Calgary, Alberta. Their new development, Inc. by Battistella, is a microcondo development. You can reach Chris and Battistella by phone at 403-452-9268 or by email at info at battistella.ca and their website is inkcondoseastvillage.ca. Uh, you can go to realestatefuture.ca and get all this contact information there. Chris, welcome. Hi, thanks, Jessica. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about this uh, development, Inc. by Battistella? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Inc. is our latest uh, condo development, uh, Battistella. We've been uh, building uh, multifamily development since the 80s um, and uh, um, throughout Calgary. And actually, you know, we're one of the leaders in the small space trend here in Calgary. And, um, you know, starting with some of our previous developments, so even our townhomes, uh, built in the early 80s, being around 900 square feet. And if you think back, uh, you know, based on your your intro there, that mm-hmm. was small space back in the 80s. Um, right. You know, we've, we've continued to see kind of condos move in, in the smaller trend. Um, when we came into the East Village, we definitely saw a gap in the market of, uh, you know, that, that the fact that affordability had reached kind of its tipping point. Um, and uh, really one of the ways, uh, you know, they're not making any more land, as you, you alluded to, but, uh, you know, which means land is not getting any cheaper. Um, so maximizing density on it uh, in order to uh, to help um, um, help uh, reduce the overall absolute price uh, was something right. that we focused on, and, and that was where Inc. Uh, really did come in and fill a great uh, a great place in the market. Excellent. So, what are the sizes of the condos in this development? 
Yeah, uh, Inc., uh, um, we look at the entire building as a, as a micro uh, kind of condo. I, I like the word tiny home better than micro. Micro has like a negative connotation, I think, to it. Um, sure. But, uh, they're, all, they're all tiny condos. Uh, we, we start at 368 square feet, and we go up to uh, just under 700, so 685, and that's a two-bedroom, two-bath uh, condo, so still small footprint if you're thinking uh, about uh, everything you would get in that home. Right. Which units are the most popular? You know, we've uh, we've seen a really good spread across the whole building, but uh, the the smallest in the building, our studio, our 368 square foot studio units were uh, extremely popular. Uh, we mm-hmm. launched uh, 12 months ago and yeah. uh, we sold out of uh, those units in around five weeks. Um, wow. So uh, about 28 of them in the building in total. So, you know, they were the first to go. It was very, very, uh, very, very happy to see that happen. So who are buying those those first units to sell? Uh, you know, we saw a lot of young, uh, a lot of young buyers. Um, and, and young is a uh, more of a mindset than a... Uh, than a demographic, so a lot of um, uh, youthful kind of thinking people and people who just wanted to free themselves of their stuff. Uh, the right. minimalist movement is a part of the tiny home movement, I believe, and and people you know could see this this concept of, of uh, kind of the studio apartment uh, that you see commonly in New York and lots in Vancouver and Toronto and San Francisco, um, and they saw it as going, you know, I, I don't spend a lot of time in my home. I just want the stuff that I have to be amazing. I want my mortgage to be very affordable and allow me to live freely about the city and and that's uh, that's who we saw uh, by there so it was a little surprising because I, I think we all expected to see more investors in that first wave but a lot more homeowners than investors oh interesting mm-hmm. do you have separate storage for these I know you're talking about the minimalist thing but people practically especially in Calgary where it's a very active outdoor um, a city and they they have sports equipments and and you know we have burleys and and bicycles and where do those get stored well you also have winter wardrobes um, <laughs> good point <laughs> today which we need sure. right now <laughs> yeah you know i uh, um that was one of the briefs so there is actually storage in all of the units uh, so um, one of the briefs that we gave to our designer um, was that we wanted to go small, so we wanted to reduce the absolute footprint um, of the unit, but we had to give people full-size bathrooms. Um, the kitchens had to have lots of storage in them. Uh, the units had to have specific storage dedicated areas. There needed to be full-size appliances and full-size uh, washer and dryers because we knew that those were kind of trigger points for our target customer, and, and so we ended up getting storage in every single unit um, as, a, uh, as, a, um, as a rule um, to, help, uh, to help alleviate that, uh, that burden of, um, you know, where do I put my stuff? Right. Um, and then from there, a lot of our buyers talk to us commonly about uh, uh, convertible furniture, uh, which is okay. something that's uh, part of this tiny home movement is... is uh, Furniture that converts into other things, so whether it be a uh, coffee table that converts into a full-size uh, table or, or multi-purpose use of uh, your island or, or kind of a piece of furniture that replicated your island um, or, you know, storage under my bed or places that you wouldn't typically see it. Um, we raised our ceiling heights to nine and a half feet 
um, nice. in all the units, uh, which gives you more vertical space as well. So a lot of our buyers are thinking, you know, can we put our beds in a loft and then hmm. you know, put a desk underneath that? So, you know, it really comes down to you have to think past. Yeah, I think you said in your interview, the 2,000-square-foot single-family house we're all accustomed to with a basement if you're in Calgary. Right, Um, yeah. You know, uh, you have to think past that and start thinking, what do I really need and how can I maximize the full use of my space? And and our buyers have been very, very uh, open to that concept. That's great. Mm -hmm. Do you find that a lot of people are doing the convertible furniture in these units? You know, there, there's a lot of conversation. So our show suite is actually set up with, you know, storage beds and, and multi-purpose, uh, multi-purpose um, uh, furniture. Um, and, and there's a lot of conversation we have with our buyers about, you know, uh, different convertible pieces that they're researching or, okay. or stuff that we're finding and sharing on our social media. So if you follow us on our Facebook page uh, at Battistel Developments, we... Um, we share a lot of posts commonly about convertible furniture or, you know, lofts that you see in, in uh, New York where someone has, you know, their, their home office and they have a full-size washer and dryer and they're hosting dinner parties in their right. square feet. Well, I, I've seen that video. I love it. <laughs> yeah, so that's something we're able to, to accomplish. Uh, but that comes down to just becoming very creative and very flexible with your space. And, and stopping the thinking, you know, that even small condos that we see is our competition here in Calgary, where kitchen layouts had to be a specific way. You know, there had to be an island. If there's not an mm-hmm. island, it's not a kitchen. Well, in our units, what we did is got rid of the kitchen or island altogether. Um, and we put our kitchen as a linear kitchen along the wall. And what that does is allows you to use the space however you want. When you put an island in, that's a kitchen. You know, it's, right. it's 150 to 200 square feet of your space, clearly defined as a kitchen. Well, what happens if you don't cook? So right. now your couch, where you, like you don't have an ability, but what happens if you don't cook, but you have, um, you know, you host movie night at your house, so you need big couches. Well, mm-hmm. now that condo doesn't work the same way, whereas where how we looked at it was going, well, put a bigger couch in, just don't put an island, don't put it. Don't put a dining room table if that's not what you use. So thinking past that, it has to be this, allows you to just open your mind to seeing the, the flexibility of, uh, of small space. That's great. Chris, we're just going to head into a commercial now, but let's explore a little more about this when we get back. We'll be yeah. back in one moment. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Will you be using a real estate agent soon? It is important to work with up-to-date realtors with advanced knowledge of the ever-changing landscape of real estate. Knowing how things work today is no longer enough. To provide you with the most accurate service and advice, your agent needs to know about tomorrow too. Jessica Stoner stays in contact with current forward-thinking realtors around the world. Visit realestatefuture.ca and Jessica will connect you with a modern professional realtor in your area. 
hire Jessica Stoner as a speaker at your next event. Jessica has unique knowledge of both real estate and future studies. With extensive industry experience and education paired with an unquenchable excitement for all things future, she's well positioned to share an assortment of topics about the future of real estate with your group. Jessica's passion and knowledge in her speaking engagements is apparent and thought-provoking and of great interest to a wide variety of audiences. Visit realestatefuture.ca. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. You are listening to the future of real estate with Jessica Stoner. To learn more about the topics on today's show, visit www.realestatefuture.ca. Now, back to the future of real estate. We're back, and we're talking with Chris Pollan with Battistella Developments in Calgary, Alberta. And we're talking about their new development, Inc. by Battistella, which is a tiny, con- tiny condo development. You can reach Chris and Battistella at, uh, by phone at 403 403- Four five two nine two six eight, or by email at info at battistella.ca and their website is inkcondoseastvillage.ca and again you could go to realestatefuture.ca and get all this contact information. So Chris before the break we are talking about um, the um, you know, who is buying these micro condos, as you were saying, tiny condos. And we're talking a bit about convertible furniture. Um, what is really the most important thing to buyers uh, when they're looking at a tiny condo? Is it the view yeah, or the uh, finishings or the location? I, I think it's a it's a uh, kind of a mixture of, uh, of everything. I think, um, you know, obviously the fundamentals of condo purchasing – uh, remain intact. You know, buy as high a floor as you can afford, buy as good a view as you can afford, and, and those were some of the first units um, that we saw sell. Um, at Inc., uh, we actually have a, it's a really unique building in that uh, how we've designed it. It's not a square building. Uh, it's a very organic kind of shape, uh, which means the balconies alternate every single floor. So some of our floors have these large 250 square foot wraparound balconies and some of them just have some large oversized balconies on one side and we did see the wraparound balconies um, uh, sell as well earlier than the others in that you know if you have 600 uh, 650 square feet indoors and you have 200 square feet outdoors hmm. well, you have 800 square feet of total living absolutely space, which is something that a buyer definitely thinks about okay and then they're they're just looking at functionality of the floor plan um, you know, I think is uh, after that they start to look at, you know, does this, how does this kind of check the boxes that I had, and 
you know, how would I lay my furniture out and, you mm-hmm. know, the fundamentals that we typically see. I think flexibility really seems to be a very big key to these type of properties because, as you're saying, we don't know what and how they're going to use it. And because space is a premium, um, it really needs to be flexible. Totally. And and I think I think that's something, and, and that's a great point, and something that... Uh, um, we think about often is the flexibility and, and not not being so uh, prescriptive in how you're supposed to use space and let people define the use of space how they live, which I think is, uh, you know, something maybe that's not done enough. Um, you know, with, uh, with the age of technology, um, with the, uh, um, you know, we see a lot more people working from home and, but their need for a home office is no longer there either because they're working from a laptop or, or a, uh, a tablet. Uh, so they just need small, a smaller footprint there. So the idea that do I need a dedicated office in my house mm. or how could I use that space differently, um, that was something we thought about. We spent a lot of time thinking about before, uh, before uh, finalizing the Inc. Uh, building, um, which gave us uh, a lot more flexibility, I believe, in the use of our floor plans. That's a good point. People, you know, are just starting to think, oh, you know, every home needs a home office and we've already gotten past that. Totally. I think, uh, you know, I think um, the home office is one where I think people are still like, oh, yeah, you know, I want to have a home office. Well, it's, it probably is a place to collect papers in, in most <laughs> yeah. houses. Um, but, the, uh, you know, one of the other things that I think a lot of people still are, are wrapping their head around is do I need a dining room or a dedicated space with mm-hmm. a dining room pendant where I can put a table, um, which, you know, I, a lot of our buyers and a lot, uh, a lot of people that we work with, um, you know, they come in saying, well, like, I don't, I can't remember the last time I sat at a kitchen table and ate a meal. Um, right. You know, like I can, I, you know, so it's about how do you live instead of being like, well, how, here's, here's how I want to live. And I think you said it best at your intro, talking about your 2,000 square foot house because you needed your dining room and you needed your TV room and you needed your bonus room and your basement playroom and your office. And, and then you start to realize there's four of those rooms you, you haven't been in in 30 days. It's true. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Do you, when you were planning this, did you build in a lot of common space to try to allow people to um, have their living space extended within the building or within the property? Yeah, so so um, it's one of the things Batticella is very well known for is our uh, um, use of kind of the building amenity as well and, and keeping our buildings low amenity, but adding the ones that we know homeowners will actually use. So we build in areas that are active. East Village is a very, very active area. It's um, got a great um, common park to it, um, a lot of public amenity in it. So we know that the, our, our homeowners will access and use mostly use that. We're close to gyms and stuff. So we know that those types of amenity in the building typically don't be used. So we okay. look for more of the passive. Uh, and, and in our experience, they're, they're not highly used areas. They're nice marketing pieces. Right. You know, we have a gym, we have this, but, you know, in reality, five, five to 15 of the homeowners use that amenity and the rest of them pay condo fees to manage it. Sure. Um, whereas we give a more, we, we focus on the passive uh, amenity space so that uh, we have a rooftop patio on our 15th floor. 
um, or the rooftop. Um, it's south-facing. It's about 2,000 square feet. It's got a fireplace. So if you were going to have a little bit of a dinner party or a bigger dinner party, your party could spill to the rooftop. So instead of giving that to one penthouse unit, we give it to the entire building. Um, That's fantastic. So enjoy that and, and enjoy the, the view south and you know, view or sunsets, and you can see the fireworks of Stampede every day. Hmm. Nice. Do you find, or I, I guess you don't know yet, but was the intention to create a closer sense of community because more people will be outside of their home in maybe common space and then they connect a little more? Absolutely, and that that was done in uh, deliberately in the building. Um, we so we uh, at every single entrance, we actually have a, a homeowner messaging system. So our door numbers are actually uh, um, a messaging uh, a messaging place where you, homeowners will be able to write messages to each other um, on either whiteboard or chalkboard. We're still finalizing the spec on that. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. There is a, a, a messaging board in the uh, in the common lobby that residents can you know uh, draw on or write messages to each other, and uh, so they have the ability to kind of uh, interact with each other. Something that was important to us, um, you know, in designing the building, we thought about this concept of vertical community, um, mm-hmm. and that, that was what uh, we wanted. And we've seen it be successful so far. Residents are very similar in their mindset, who they are, and what they like. Our building right. also separates itself just in its in the specifications. So the the finishes on the inside, um, we feature the our signature polished concrete floors, the exposed concrete ceilings, exposed pipes and wires. So that micro condo uh, kind of urban loft feeling has been kind of carried throughout the entire spec. So the okay. entire building has that feeling, that art converted artist or converted warehouse feel. Uh, to it. So are you finding mostly young professionals and as you said young and young at heart um, Mm -hmm. are you getting any families buying in there? Yeah you know uh, we don't see a lot of families um, and that's probably just due to the square foot Uh, Mm -hmm. so but we do see a lot of young couples buying uh, buying places we see a lot of friends buying places together so you know two people roommate situation going to live in 650 Mm -hmm feet together and, and feeling very comfortable about that. And very then we've seen actually a large move to uh, from downsizers, uh, which you know maybe surprised us just a little bit um, at the very beginning. Um, in that you know the space was quite small, so uh, you know we didn't know how downsizers would re- respond. But we've seen a lot of people selling their twenty-five to three thousand square foot house or planning to sell it. And they're going to move here, have it as a home base, and take the money that they have. And, you know, I think you were talking about uh, uh, Nomad. Uh, they mm-hmm. would buy a place on Vancouver Island or down in the, in Phoenix or somewhere warm that they'd have as a second place, and they could travel back and forth easily. We're definitely that. seeing that. I'm yeah. seeing a lot of that where they'll buy something small for when they're here, but they also have something out in, as you said, Phoenix or you know, Mexico or something. So that is an interesting trend. I think we're going to see more of that. I think so too. And I think, I think the access to amenity is very important. So, um, you know, what does the community offer around it? Uh, mm-hmm. So is there, is there a park space? Is there a, a gathering spot, a coffee shop, a pub, uh, restaurants um, and a lot of our uh, a lot of our people. That's what they're seeing in their drive to move to these villages. Is they're just looking for a great community that uh, is walkable, um, you know, is outdoor oriented, 
um, that they can enjoy and, you know, a small space that they can feel very comfortable. And I think that's, that's the, the trend we're seeing more and more, um, especially in their inner city. It's not always your house is the place you entertain. You might meet your friends for a walk along the river or at the park for a picnic or at the coffee shop or the pub for, for a drink, and your house is actually your oasis. So you're not right. necessarily always considering, do I need to host 13 people for my Christmas party? You're like, I'll meet those people somewhere else. <laughs> it, it, must be a, it must create a great sense of relief that I don't have to host things. Oops, I don't have the space. I don't have to buy more stuff because I have no place to put it. I mean, I can see people being enormously relieved by all that. Yeah. Well, that absolutely, and that, that's what our homeowners are finding is going, we've alleviated ourselves of some of the mortgage pressures, um, so maybe we have some more disposable income. We'll meet our friends somewhere that we can have a drink, com- like as, a, as in a common area, and my house becomes my oasis. It's, it's that, my that place is, that I share with my intimate group. That um, is why they make pubs. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's what pubs are for, for sure, at coffee shops. Um, exactly. You know, and, and it makes makes uh, it makes uh, urban planners excited as well because they know that that community amenity that they work so hard uh, is used um, so heavily. Well, and it'll be good for the economy too. Instead of dumping all the money into your housing, you're outspreading the economy and the wealth. So, Absolutely. that's. Chris, this was really interesting, and um, this was a great amount of information. We're just going to head into a break now. And when we're back, we'll be talking with Jessica Reed with Rewild Homes in Nanaimo, British Columbia. And we're going to be talking about tiny homes. And Chris, thank you for your time today. Yeah, thank you so much, Jessica. You're welcome. We're just going into a break. We'll be back in a moment. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Hire Jessica Stoner as a speaker at your next event. Jessica has unique knowledge of both real estate and future studies. With extensive industry experience and education paired with an unquenchable excitement for all things future, she's well positioned to share an assortment of topics about the future of real estate with your group. Jessica's passion and knowledge in her speaking engagements is apparent and thought-provoking and of great interest to a wide variety of audiences. Visit Real Estate Future Will you be using a real estate agent soon? It is important to work with up-to-date realtors with advanced knowledge of the ever-changing landscape of real estate. Knowing how things work today is no longer enough. To provide you with the most accurate service and advice, your agent needs to know about tomorrow too. Jessica Stoner stays in contact with current forward-thinking realtors around the world. Visit realestatefuture.ca and Jessica will connect you with a modern professional realtor in your area. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You 
are listening to The Future of Real Estate with Jessica Stoner. To learn more about the topics on today's show, visit www.realestatefuture.ca. Now, back to The Future of Real Estate. We're back. And we're talking with Jessica Reed with Rewild Homes on Vancouver Island in British Columbia. Jessica, welcome. Hi, Jessica. Thanks so much for having me. You're very welcome. What a great name. (laughs) I'd have to agree, (laughs) but I might be a little bit uh, biased. (laughs) (laughs) So Rewild Homes um, builds custom, high-quality, portable cabins, offering an alternative to high housing prices that so many of us are seeing across British Columbia today. So Rewild builds tiny homes. Can you tell us a bit about that? Sure. So tiny homes have been growing in popularity uh, over the last decade now, but it's still the Wild West out there when you're trying to figure out what a tiny home actually is. So to give you a really brief overlay, our tiny homes specifically are built directly onto trailers, so they are considered portable. This is different than some other tiny homes that you might see offered because ours are not considered permanent dwellings. This opens up our audience to uh, a lot broader range. The thing about our tiny homes as well is they're completely custom. So a lot of people think that moving to a tiny home, you have to sacrifice a nice bathroom or a full kitchen or entertaining space or a king-size bed. But the truth is uh, we can facilitate pretty much anything that you can imagine, and there's a lot of flexibility. Yeah, having it custom is, I think, um, unusual. I think a lot of them are very much a uh, um, cookie-cutter floor plan because they try to maximize the most space with the best plan. But having it custom is actually kind of unique. Yeah, and everybody has different usages. And uh, just like your prior guest there, Chris, was talking about, um, people have different goals in their life, whether it be entertaining or cooking or living outdoors, making room for their sports equipment. And without the customization, it's really hard to just fit your life into a box, especially one that small. When you start looking at tiny homes, you really, really need to maximize your flexibility of the space. Yeah, I can see that. Who is buying your product? Well, we pretty much run the gamut, but our primary audience is definitely first-time home buyers, uh, young couples, either with or without small children, looking to get their feet wet in the real estate market, but without committing to either one location or a mortgage. Um, a lot of people my age are strapped with a lot of debt from post-secondary education, and the prospect of homeownership is very appealing because we want to be able to start working towards something concrete. However, the the prospect of adding on a giant mortgage on top of these debt payments that many of us are already paying off, it makes it seem like a very daunting task to be a functional member of society when all of your focus is going to paying down debt. Um, So a lot of young people are choosing to look at tiny homes as a a way for them to make an investment, um, a pretty safe investment, if if you ask me. (laughs) Yes. But our secondary audience would be people approaching retirement age and looking to downsize, looking to get rid of all of that space that they might have been using in their past, but they don't have the need for anymore. It's a lot of maintenance taking care of big homes, and uh, making the move into a tiny home is really appealing for a lot of older folk um, to take care of things a lot better, and also to be able to park it, perhaps in family's backyard or in a nice Mm -hmm. small plot of land somewhere. 
So that brings up a really great question. The big issue at tiny homes is where do where do you put them? So where do you find most of your clients are putting their tiny homes? We find that most people are finding land to either rent or to buy. Um, land is a lot cheaper, as you know, to buy uh, raw than when you're trying to look for something with a dwelling on it. So we do get some people who have already purchased property or are working on purchasing property where they're going to be the only person living on that property. Um, however, we get a lot of people who are looking to park either in laneways or in RV parks. But when it comes to that, it's still really difficult because tiny homes are, are such a gray area in most municipalities right now that you can ask a dozen different people um, in the municipality and get different answers. So it's very difficult uh, for people to find places to park these. But I do find that as an overall trend, um, there are a lot of cities that are working very progressively to try and make it legal and um, possible for people to live in tiny homes uh, on property, much in the same way that laneway houses are often allowed in places. Right. I think the sheer necessity is going to make it eventually, um, you know, it's going to um, receive the necessary requirements and, and land use bylaws, et cetera, to allow them because, um, you know, not just the affordability is reaching a crisis in a lot of areas, but uh, just the availability of housing. So let's hope that it goes in that direction. Yes, absolutely. We're running out of space and uh, <laughs> we are. a lot of people are realizing this and are more than willing to, to take a step back and to have a smaller footprint. And it seems rather silly that there's so many roadblocks in the way preventing people from becoming self-sufficient and from making a smaller mark uh, physically on the world, but being much more present mentally. Yeah, I, I think the sheer demand will sort of increase the awareness and, and uh, it'll happen eventually. It's just how quickly will be the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we truly do. Though We believe in this lifestyle and no matter the hurdles that uh, keep coming up, we're working hard to keep coming up with unique solutions around them. Uh, for example, we were speaking on Gabriel Island, which is a small island out here um, off Vancouver Island that's been working very hard to introduce tiny homes into their municipality bylaws. Uh, so we're really pleased to be a part of trying to actively move forward with that. Yeah, hopefully they'll uh, make some good precedent that other cities and other municipalities can follow because um, it's it, it definitely seems to be the direction things are going. Are you aware of any other places that currently have villages where tiny homes are allowed? Uh, the, the primary uh, location where we're seeing these tiny home villages pop up uh, legally are in the States right now, okay. uh, down on the West Coast. So we're seeing a lot of them in, in Oregon and Washington and sometimes down as far as California now and Montana. Um, but as far as in British Columbia, I can't speak as much for Alberta. I do know of a few that are, that are underway, um, but nothing that's open to the public yet. We get contacted, um, I, I would say, daily by people who are just looking for somewhere to, to park and to start planning their life. Um, but it's, it's, it's a work in progress. Excellent. So for anybody listening out there, this is a, a good business opportunity. Um, start looking into it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of money to be had in opening up a tiny house RV park because you a bet. lot of RV parks um, don't 
allow tiny homes for one reason or another. Um, so it'd be really, it'd be really great to be able to get some dedicated spaces for people. And a sense of community. I mean, all the folk who we meet who are looking to make the switch into tiny homes are just wonderful, compassionate people. And to bring them all together and to form a sort of um, sub-community would just be fantastic. I agree. I think uh, a lot of the people wanting to get into tiny homes, it wouldn't be quite the right atmosphere in a lot of the RV parks because it is more transient. It is uh, more temporary. And um, you're right. I think they're looking for homes, not, you know, not RV parks. So that's a good start. Um, Who do you find, you're saying that you had a lot of young couples. Do you have families that are buying into these uh, tiny homes? Yes, yes, we do. We actually get a surprising number of people with with multiple children um, looking to make the switch into tiny homes. It's oftentimes when the kids are still uh, quite young, and then they can grow as a family, because the space that's needed when you have um, infants or younger children is is not the same as when your kids start to reach sort of pre-teenage and teenager age and wanting to have a bit more of their own space. Um, but the good news with the tiny homes is if you get it as a family and if you do outgrow your tiny home, perhaps you're in the position then to invest in more real estate to add more tiny homes or perhaps you have found a full-size house by that point and you're ready to grow as a family in a slightly bigger home. You can keep that tiny home and you can either rent it out, you can resell it, or you can even hold on to it and you can pass it along to your kids as they grow up and they can take it with them to, say, university or to start their own life and grow that way. Yeah, there truly doesn't seem to be any downside to having an extra home. <laughs> no, especially one that's portable, uh, can be moved without any problem. We stick below the highway limits for North America so that these, these homes can be towed anywhere in North America with, without requiring any special permitting, um, even on BC ferries, which we get a lot of uh, speculation about. But, yeah, they fit. They, do. they fit. That's fantastic to, to know. Yeah. So you're not you're not you know stuck on the island. You could go anywhere. That's great to know. How many yeah. times can these homes be moved? Oh, uh, there are certain design considerations that we would take into account if you were planning on moving your home frequently. Yeah. Uh, say, if we were designing your home to be moved once a year, um, it would be different than if we were designing your home to be moved once a month. Uh, there right. might be a few aspects such as tile flooring that's prone to cracking and movement that you wouldn't want to have in a frequently moved home, um, but that is perfectly fine in a home that's only going to be moved, you know, once a year or even less. So really to answer your question, they can be moved as much as you want. Um, But that's something that we talk about in the beginning to make sure that your goals are aligned with the construction of your house, which again comes back to the the customization, being able to actually have it built for, for your specific needs. So when they're being moved from place to place, are you moving them to some places where they'd be connecting to services and then maybe other places where they'd have to be fully self-contained? Uh, yeah, yeah. We run the whole range from completely plugging in with regular power and sewer, just like a full-size house, uh, to being completely self-sufficient and off the grid, running on solar power and propane. We can do rainwater collection. So really... It's, again, it depends on what your usage is going to be, but the, the most common um, request that we are seeing right now is that desire for self-sufficiency and that desire to run independent of a grid, um, so to speak. 
Yeah, that seems to be a trend throughout real estate everywhere now. Um, but it seems to be much more feasible in your products. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People are very interested in self-sufficiency. And I think that's a really exciting uh, sort of social movement that we're seeing right now. Yeah, I agree. Jessica, we're just going to head into a break now. And then when we get back, we'll, we'll pick up this conversation and uh, talk a little bit more. We're just, uh, so we'll be, <laughs> no worries. We'll be back in a moment. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Will you be using a real estate agent soon? It is important to work with up-to-date realtors with advanced knowledge of the ever-changing landscape of real estate. Knowing how things work today is no longer enough. To provide you with the most accurate service and advice, your agent needs to know about tomorrow too. Jessica Stoner stays in contact with current forward-thinking realtors around the world. Visit realestatefuture.ca and Jessica will connect you with a modern professional realtor in your area. Hire Jessica Stoner as a speaker at your next event. Jessica has unique knowledge of both real estate and future studies. With extensive industry experience and education, paired with an unquenchable excitement for all things future, she's well positioned to share an assortment of topics about the future of real estate with your group. Jessica's passion and knowledge in her speaking engagements is apparent and thought-provoking and of great interest to a wide variety of audiences. Visit Real Estate Future we're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to The Future of Real Estate with Jessica Stoner. To learn more about the topics on today's show, visit www.realestatefuture.ca. Now, back to the future of real estate. We're talking with Jessica Reed from Rewild Homes on Vancouver Island in British Columbia. Rewild Homes makes tiny homes, and Jessica was just telling us a bit about that. Jessica, you live in a tiny home yourself, is that correct? I do. We don't live in our uh, one of our own built tiny homes yet. We're actually in the process of building it. But uh, okay. I live in a lovely, uh, renovated uh, travel trailer that has been been quite functional. Can you tell us a bit about uh, the transition? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that we recommend to people who are looking to get into a tiny home and start their downsizing journey is if they're not quite sure what they need yet, um, they can get their feet wet by making a bridgeway step and moving into a trailer or uh, a bachelor suite, some type of smaller home. So my fiancé and I did this. We downsized from a 2,200-square-foot home down to a 20-foot travel trailer uh, Uh that we took a few months to renovate and put most of our stuff into storage. 
over the course of about a year, we slowly uh, picked away at the stuff in our storage locker and really paid attention to what things do we use on a daily basis that are inside of our house? What things are missing? What things are just taking up space? And now where we're at, we've taken this time to fully plan out every last inch of our tiny house so that all of the space will be maximized and there won't be anything unused. It's very exciting. That sounds very, um, as I had mentioned with Chris, that just sounds um, very relieving. It sounds like a great burden to get rid, a burden off your shoulder to get rid of um, unnecessary stuff. Yeah, I can't stress enough about the change in overall life happiness that Hmm. downsizing has brought both of us. Um, I am the happiest that I've ever been in my life. We have minimal cleaning, um, minimal bills. It's very easy to keep things organized and uh, keep track of things when you have such a limited amount of space to keep things in. You're always sure where things are going to go. And it also really forces you to move your life time to outdoors. I've always been a a very outdoor strong person. Um, I I have a border collie and we spend, you know, at least a few hours every day outside. Um, And once we moved into a smaller house, we also had to think about entertaining uh, right. in the outdoors. So it's really forced us to, to take another look at um, how you want to have people over and what your lifestyle really is. That's, yeah, that sounds like quite the, the change. Um, how does your dog mind being in, in the small space? She Border collies are high it. energy. Yeah, yeah, they are, um, which is why we spend most of our time outside. Um, but the lovely thing is we live on a, uh, we, we actually live entirely off-grid, so we're on a three-acre parcel of land, which she has the run of. Um, nice. So, like I said, you're not really limited to the size inside. Uh. <laughs> That's right. That No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, for other people who are considering tiny homes, um you know, it might not be the right lifestyle for everyone, but there may be some people interested in having um, them as investments. Do you find that this is a good rental venue? Yes. Uh, If you have been following any sort of tiny house movements um, on Facebook or Twitter or anything of the sort, you'll find that it's been really, really exploding this past year. Um, I feel like every day I'm seeing new news articles on the Huffington Post or Destination British Columbia or Explore Canada for where you can find tiny homes to rent and stay. Uh, it's, it's an incredibly popular market. They have a lot of rentals available on Airbnb throughout the state, um, mm-hmm. even tiny home villages like we were talking about earlier that are actually rentals that you can stay in. Um, but we actually have a lot of our clients coming to us who are investing in these homes as income properties, um, whether it's a dual purpose, can function both as an at-home office during the week and then rentals on the weekend. Mm -hmm. Some people do long-term rentals. We also often have people coming to us um, who are looking for external housing for groundskeepers or live-in help. So yeah, there's a good financial um, investment there with tiny homes. Especially if you ever do decide to, say, sell your property and move somewhere else you can quite easily take your tiny home with you and still maintain that extra income on your new property instead of right. being stuck and having to be sold as part of your prior real estate. 
Yeah, there really seems to be a lot of, of different venues for this this home. It really seems to be able to answer a lot of um, a lot of uh, situations for people that um, you know just in an affordable manner. Yeah. Speaking of affordable, what kind of price point are we looking at for uh, sort of running the gamut of tiny homes from the most basic to a, a nice luxurious tiny home? So pricing is always uh, the hardest thing to answer for people because what we do is custom. Um, every rewild home is completely custom. So the price can range wildly. Uh, to give you a sort of general idea, a smaller, single level, uh, completely finished and, and self-contained home would run you around $45,000. As you start to get up to um, a sort of mid-range home, our most popular size is a 24-foot uh, you're going to be looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 to 70. Largely, it's going to depend on your specific material and appliance selections. We get a lot of people who go for full chef kitchens, granite countertops, really nice cabinetry. Those things add a lot of cost as well as the off-grid aspect. Um, so then to give you an idea of the other end of the spectrum, uh, fully off-grid 28-foot or 30-foot homes that have solar setups large enough to power your home independently of a grid with all of your appliances, your washer, your dryer, everything that you can think of, that would probably come in closer to the 120 to even 150, depending on the size of your off-grid system and your appliances. That still seems like a really reasonable mortgage. Yeah, it does. And we do work uh, really hard to get people into their homes. It's our number one priority to try and work within any budget and any dream to try and figure out a way that we can help. We also offer shells, so incomplete homes, which Mm -hmm. is a great option for people who are either looking to learn some DIY skills themselves or maybe they have a connection with someone or they're just looking to save on cost. Because once you start taking away some of the finishing aspects, um, it really drops down quite significantly. So we do everything ranging from just trailers to uh, custom framed trailers. We work with you to design your home and build the framing plans. Then the next step would be finishing the exterior, putting in your windows and doors. Then we can even go so far as to install all of the electrical, certify it, uh, and get your interior mostly finished so that the things that you're left to do are mostly uh, straightforward, such as appliance installs or flooring or trim. Do you see any of the um, convertible furniture that we are talking about in the micro condos or is most of the furniture built in? Yes, um, we do get a lot of uh, functionality, multifunctionality uh, requests with furniture in particular. The main aspect that people are always coming up with interesting solutions for is the dining room area, like you were talking about with Chris earlier. finding space to entertain without permanently taking up your living space. Because in a tiny home, whether you're in a 16-foot or a 30-foot, generally speaking, your dining area and your living area are going to be the same thing. So whether you do a drop-down table, uh, a lift-up table from the floor, we also do movable uh, sectional couches that can be rearranged to either form a movie-watching area, bed, or it can flip and become a table. It's endless possibilities, and it's really exciting to try and um, make people's dreams become a reality. Oh, that's fantastic. Do you usually include the furniture in the sale, or is that usually something somebody else does after? 
It entirely depends on people's um, budgets and their if they want to be turnkey ready, move right in, or if they're looking to furnish with stuff they already have. Uh, it always is less expensive if you finish the furnishing and do your appliance install yourself. Um, but there's also a huge benefit to having everything ready to go when you just walk in. We do work really closely with our clients to match their style. So doing interior furnishings is certainly something that we offer and that a lot of people do choose to go with. Right. Jessica, this has been a really excellent, informative conversation. I I really want to thank you for joining us today because I think this really opened a lot of people's eyes to what's available out there. I really appreciate your time as well. And nothing makes me happier than talking tiny homes and uh, Mm -hmm. breaking some of the stigmas um, that people have about moving into tiny homes and educating them on the difference between tiny homes and RVs because they're an entirely different animal. It (laughs) sounds it. Very encouraging to get the news out there to people. That's great. You can reach Jessica Reed and Rewild uh, by email at hello at rewildhomes.com. Uh, Their website is www.rewildhomes.com. You can also reach them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can go to realestatefuture.ca and get all of their contact information and more details on what we had discussed today. Feel free to join us next week as well on Wednesday, every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time, when we'll be discussing drones in the home of the future. We'll see you next week. enjoyed and have been inspired from today's edition of the future of real estate be sure to join jessica stoner again next wednesday at 3 p.m eastern time 12 noon pacific time on the voice america business channel we'll see you here next week